Welcome to another episode of Search News You Can Use with me, Dr. Marie Haynes. This episode is being recorded on Wednesday, November 27th of 2019, and it corresponds to episode number 110 of our Search News You Can Use newsletter. Um, I think we have a bunch of new listeners. Uh, Each week we're getting more and more, and now we're getting uh, over a thousand listens to each podcast episode, which really blows my mind that there's that many of you that uh, want want to tune in to hear me babble on about my thoughts on SEO. Um, In this episode, uh, I'm going to talk a little bit more about this November 8th update. I know it didn't affect all of you, but for some of you, it was a really, really big deal. And so John Mueller has given us uh, just this morning, uh, I noticed this actually, uh, I think the hangout was uh, a day or two ago, um, some new information on whether we should be disavowing links. Uh, I don't know that I have the exact answer for all of you, but some of you are going to want to listen to this. There's more grief for recipe sites, so we're going to talk about that. And um, also some interesting news from Google on how to best use references. Uh, For those of us who are writing on topics where we have scientific references, we're going to talk about, uh, people ask me all the time, should those references be in the article or at the end of the article? And so we have some new information on that that I'm going to share with you as well. So as we usually do, let's start by talking about the latest uh, algorithm turbulence, there really wasn't, as far as I can see, a significant update since the November 8th update. November 8th, again, was one that Google did not announce. Um, I don't know that they've, well, they've acknowledged that they did something, but they said it in sort of that way that doesn't really mean anything, where they say, well, yeah, we did an update. We do updates several times a day. Um, So Google really has not confirmed that they made major changes on November 8th, but a number of sites are are still seeing drops um, uh, since that time. And as uh, most of you who are listening to this probably have, uh, if you were affected by the November 8th update, you've probably read our post on this uh, and our current thoughts. Really not much has changed uh, on our current thoughts. We think that a good number of the sites that were affected by this update uh, were affected because of link issues. And I won't go into all the details, but if you were involved heavily in using Um, reciprocal link schemes. So recipe bloggers who are parts of a link party where everybody links out to each other's recipes, Um, travel bloggers who uh, are getting, uh, you know, many, many links in posts that say, uh, here's the top 10 reasons to visit this city. Um, And those are, you know, potentially paid inclusions or um, done in a way that is just not naturally earned. Uh, And I know that, you know, is not 100% um explainable uh, and some of you are still trying to figure out you know is this my site um, if you saw drops on November 8th and you have that type of link there's a good chance that Google has devalued those links and what we don't know is whether um, that devaluation also comes with a level of distrust from Google uh, and if that's the case then disavowing uh, those links could help but if we're wrong on this because we have not had confirmation from Google although some of the stuff John said uh doesn't contradict our uh, thoughts. So we'll talk about that in a minute. Um, you know, should you be disavowing? I, it's really, really tough. And so let's uh, go into this uh, a, a little bit more. Um, 
I should say in regards to other algorithm updates in November, there does seem to be a fair amount of turbulence. Uh, we couldn't really pin it down to one day though. Um, and so this is common every time Google makes some type of a significant change. Uh, it's not uncommon to see these tremors that happen uh, and the tremors may be Google tweaking the uh, the dials. Um, I know that's sort of a naive way to, to talk about algorithm updates, uh, but Google basically saying, um, all right, well, we changed this factor, but maybe we went a bit too far and so let's make a few tweaks and and so you might see further drops or you might see uh, improvements um, you know and it's not like Google I think it's pretty rare that they just outright reverse an algorithm update um, but they can make changes that can look like a reversal for uh, for your site so we're not going to call any other dates in November at this point uh, a significant update I know Barry Schwartz had written a few things on search engine roundtable uh, about particular dates that could also be updates. Um, I want to say November 23rd or so, there were enough sites in our profile that I almost called that, you know, a significant tweak. But really, a lot of those sites that saw changes were seasonal as well. Actually, let's talk about that. If you are a site um, that sells, uh, you know, that has more sales at Christmas time, uh, and most of you, I mean, if you have an e-commerce store, this is probably the time of year that you love the most because, uh, you know, you're going to make more sales as people buy gifts for Christmas. And um, what we, we've had a number of people reach out to us uh, in the last week or so saying, hey, my product pages that used to rank really, really well have now dropped several places. So what is Google doing? And a lot of the time, this can just be normal due to seasonality. Uh, and I, I mean, I've spoken about this before, but and we don't know exactly how Google does it, but they certainly do have aspects in their algorithms um, that can determine uh, what users want. And at this time of year, more people are likely to have trans transactional intent than just looking for information. Uh, and so Google may be more likely to show websites that people tend to want to buy from. So if you've noticed that your product page, let's say you used to rank number one, and now you're number three behind two Amazon pages, it might not be that Google's demoted your site or that you're doing anything particularly wrong. It could just be that Google's figured out that the majority of people who search for this query, they end up on Amazon anyways. And so um, you know, part of the recovery from this could be to have a really, really good look at why do people want to prefer to buy from Amazon. And some of those things can not be fixed. Um, for example, I mean, I buy, I'm probably going to buy a whole bunch of my Christmas gifts this year from Amazon. Um, and as much as I want to support local businesses here, it's just so much more convenient for me. Um, and so similarly, if I was looking to buy, you know, if I've got 30 different things I'm going to buy on Amazon, I'm less likely to go looking at individual websites uh, other than Amazon to go find those things. So finding, you know, if, if, if you want me to come buy on your website and Amazon is what is best for me, you know, what are you going to do to make it so that your website is actually seen as better for users? Some of the things that we do recommend is finding ways to um, give users more information like buying guides, uh, more reviews from actual users, more helpful reviews as opposed to this was great, thank you. Um, finding ways so that uh, people actually do spend more time on your website and um, are convinced to buy there. Uh, and so 
if you're seeing, if you're an e-commerce store that's seeing some drops, and specifically in product pages, it may just be that Google's algorithms change uh, in order to uh, serve people with what they want to see. Um, I was speaking with Glenn Gabe recently, and he coined it the holiday switch. Um, and I don't know if specifically, you know, somebody at Google says, oh, well, you know, it's holiday season now, let's turn the switch on. It's probably not that simple. And I don't think Glenn was saying it's that simple, but we see it, whether it's something that the algorithms just pick up on their own and they determine that, oh, you know, people used to prefer this informational URL and now they prefer Walmart or uh, Amazon or Best Buy or eBay, one of those. Um, you know, I think it's probably that, that the algorithms start detecting that user behavior has changed. But it's certainly possible that Google has a different set of algorithms or something that they add into the algorithm um, to uh, to make the holiday shopping SERPs more user-friendly, perhaps. Uh, so um, I think some of the turbulence that we're seeing at this time of year is actually websites that, uh, you know, are at the mercy of Google's algorithms, just trying to figure out what it is that users want. Um, and if that's the case for you, you know, I don't think that uh, disavowing links or um, changing technical things uh, are going to make a massive difference at this time of year. But it's something that you could look at for potentially next year is doing um, a huge overhaul on the content that you're producing, finding ways to make that content more useful uh, for people. So, gosh, I uh, traveled around a little bit there, and I think we had started talking about the uh, November 8th update. So Glenn Gabe actually asked John Mueller uh, a question about this update in a recent Help Hangout. Uh, it was just a day or two ago, perhaps yesterday, I think, as I'm recording this on uh, Wednesday, November 27th. Um, and so here's, I'm going to read out Glenn's question. He said to John, you explained that there were several core algorithm changes released in November. After those rolled out, there were many different types of sites impacted. So several updates make sense to me. I'm going to interject here. We think that a, a huge component of this update is, like I said, links that come from link schemes that, uh, you know, bloggers um, tend to get involved in uh, and that Google had devalued those. Uh, but there are other sites that, um, you know, saw changes that maybe we can't tie into those links, link changes. Uh, we did, uh, I did a little bit of a study into a, a, a hundred um, close to 200 sites, I think, that had reached out to us saying that they were affected. And uh, over 50% of those were recipe and travel sites, uh, which means, you know, there were other sites that were affected as well. Um, and so, uh, so going back to Glenn's question here, many smaller bloggers in certain niche categories were impacted, he impacted heavily, like recipe sites. And when checking those specific sites, you could clearly see many unnatural links via recommendation widgets and other link building tactics. For those sites, is it even worth disavowing those links as it really looks like Google just simply devalued those links? And that's the question that we've been asking over the last few weeks as well, uh, because this comes with a lot of risk. What if we're wrong? I really do think that Google has devalued those types of links. Um, but if you go and disavow those and I'm incorrect in that decision, you could do more harm than good. And if Google has just devalued the links and you disavow them, 
You might just accomplish nothing other than you've wasted a bunch of time or you've paid a lot of money to have somebody like me or somebody else who does a lot of disavow work uh, to do that for you. So, um, you know, is it really necessary? And what we keep coming back to is this uh, quote from John Mueller from last year where he basically said that, uh, actually it was early this year, that if uh, Google sees enough unnatural links pointing to your site that they could deem your entire link profile as untrustworthy and in that sense, there is almost a bit of su a suppression uh, put on your site. It's not like the site itself is um, particularly suppressed, but uh, but rather um, your links may not carry as much value as they would if Google felt they could trust your whole uh, website. Now, John had a very long reply to this, and uh, this is in, um, we've included the whole reply in uh, newsletter. Um, the important parts, though, here, uh, first of all, he didn't give us an exact answer to, uh, to Glenn's question. And um, well, let me just get to John's uh, quote here and, and sort of give some generalized answers. So he said, you know, in general, if you see a pattern of unnatural links associated with your site, then you want to clean those up. And he talked about ways to clean them up. So one would be to ask site owners to actually remove those links. I actually think if you're a recipe blogger and you're involved in a reciprocal link scheme, um, you know, I had some recipe bloggers say to me, but we were told to do this because it's good for users. And I get that. I mean, I I have clicked on some of those like, hey, this chocolate chip cookie recipe is not really the one I'm looking for, but they've recommended five other recipes and I'll, I'll click on that link. You know, that's good. So here's kind of where I'm leaning right now is if you have those types of links on your site to actually no follow those links. Um, again, you know, I mean, is that going to help your rankings? Uh, maybe if enough people do it, it's potentially possible, uh, but I think it has the possibility to hurt as well. So this is a, a tough, tough decision. Um, what's interesting though, is that John actually did recommend cleaning up links. And so as I've been saying many times, like he has confirmed that um, Google can see it as a negative and it actually can hurt a site algorithmically uh, if they have enough unnatural links. And what John said in his answer is uh, essentially, you know, you don't want the web spam team to look at your links and slap a manual action on you. Uh, that's another reason to potentially do this. Um, so, gosh, he also commented that um, many sites, if you just start to look at your links now, thinking like, oh man, do I have unnatural links? And then you look at it and you see, oh, I've got links from, with adult anchors, and I've got links from these spammy image sites, and all of this garbage pointing to my site, uh, that's not what has caused you to drop, okay? Um, I think it's conceivably possible that links like that can... Um, impact your level of quality if you were kind of on the edge in terms of your own links. And we do disavow those links if we're already in the process of doing a link audit. Um, but if that was the only kind of link that a site had, uh, we probably would not recommend doing a link audit for, uh, for that type of, of site. So although John's advice doesn't tell us exactly whether we should disavow um, if you've had a November 8th hit, I still think there's a lot that can be learned from what John said. Um, again, we've summarized this in, in newsletter. Um, I'm 
really, I think my answer here uh, so far depends on scale. If you are a recipe blogger who has good links point and travel blogger as well, I'm saying recipe just because these are the examples that are in my head. But uh, if you have links that could be considered part of a link scheme, um, and in particular, what we think Google went after in November 8th is um, easier ways to get uh, a bunch of people linking to you uh, where those links really are only there because you were trying to build links um, as opposed to uh, like, even though you say, well, this is good for users you wouldn't have been doing it if you weren't trying to get page rank, right? So um, so if you have links like that, and let's say you just have a few that actually organically had grown, um, because some of the recipe sites we looked at, people said, well, I didn't build any links to my site, so and I saw drops. Um, it may just be that you were included in some of these roundups and uh, those actually helped you for a while and now they're not helping you. And if you have not been purposely uh, trying to do this, then probably disavowing is not going to make a difference for you. But if this is one of your main types of links pointing to your site and you have very few other links uh, that, you know, actually came because somebody said, wow, this is a really good recipe. I want to include it in my roundup post. um, Then, I really do think you should consider uh, either disavowing those links or reaching out to um, some of the bloggers in your network to uh, make a choice to all uh, nofollow those uh, those links um, or remove them completely or add the rel equals sponsored or rel equals user generated content tags. There's still a lot of con- confusion about that. Um, rel equals sponsored and rel equals UGC are just another way to use a a nofollow uh, link. And it helps Google to figure out more information. But from your perspective as a site owner, there's really not any difference as far as I can see. So um, I don't know if we're getting any closer. Uh, I'm not sure whether we're actually uh, have been contracted to do any disavow work uh, for any of these recipe sites. I really hope we have um, because I would like to see what kind of results we get. So, uh, uh, so if you um, do, uh, if you are a recipe blogger who, uh, or any type of blogger that's been involved in reciprocal linking, um, if you're not sure, one of the services that we do offer is uh, we call it a link overview, and uh, what my team does is uh, take a really good look at your link profile and give you our opinion on whether it's bad enough to potentially either cause you a manual action or to cause you to be suppressed in the search results. Um, it's not a full link audit; it's basically us trying to decide should we do a full link audit? Um, and uh, in a lot of cases, you know, our answer is, well, yeah, there's unnatural links there, but we don't think you'd benefit uh, from doing a full link audit and disavow. And in other cases, uh, we actually really do recommend uh, doing a disavow. Um, let's move on to some additional Google news. There is a lot of new stuff that came out that I won't have time to cover in this podcast episode. So uh, again, if you uh, go to uh, search news, you can use on um, our website site. And this is episode number 110. Uh, And I should mention as well, we've got some changes coming to newsletter. They're going to be a few months down the road. Um, I don't know if we're going to be calling each episode by number anymore. Uh, We'll see. We've got a bunch of things uh, coming on in the future, in the new year coming up. 
Um, Google announced that they have new reporting for products results in Search Console. So if you're eligible uh, for uh, product-rich results, then you may find in Search Console that there's a new report there. And from what we can see, it looks like it's basically structured data and showing you where you have errors in your product structured data. Uh, so this is certainly worth checking out um, for those of you who uh, that would be important for. Um, I mentioned more stuff for recipe sites. This seems to be the theme of this uh, this podcast episode. Um, Barry Schwartz reported that uh, Google is trying out a new rich results test that actually um, allows users. So if I do a search for a recipe and in uh, Google search results, I can now click on a preview button, which gives me a preview snippet of the recipe. If I was a recipe blogger, I'd be really mad about this. Um, as a user, I think it actually helps me. Uh, I make a lot of recipes from things that I find on the internet. And um, one of the things that I really, really dislike is having to scroll through like 18 pages of somebody's life story in order to find the actual recipe. And then when I find the recipe, it's jumping around because there's ads that come and go in the page. And that's really, really frustrating. And so um, I think it would be cool to be able to see a preview uh, so I don't have to to, to do that. Um, and also to see a preview so that I can see whether the recipe has ingredients that I either like or that I have or that I can eat. Um, I don't eat dairy. And so, uh, you know, seeing the recipe and seeing oh, this is a recipe that calls for butter and I don't think I can replace the butter in this recipe, I might not click on it. This is going to result in fewer clicks for recipe bloggers as well. Uh, I do not think this is what is connected to November 8th. Um, we've noticed that most of the recipe sites that were hit, uh, it's not that they just... Um, yeah, they, they mostly dropped a couple of places. I'm trying to remember now if most of them dropped their images. I mean, it's certainly possible. I, I might look into this a little bit more and see if there's a connection. Um, but what's happening here is that uh, you may be seeing more impressions uh, or the same number of impressions in search, but you might be seeing fewer clicks. Here's the quotes on Twitter from Danny Sullivan from Google um, as to why Google did this. He said, so the compact grid format can make it hard for people to know which recipes might be useful to them, such as if they already have needed ingredients at hand. This test is, oh, it's a test. This test is meant to let people get more but limited info while still directing people to the recipe page through the link. If people have all the info they need, they'll continue to recipes as normal. If they want to learn more, they have this option. It's a balance between letting them get more info and making an educated decision on what to visit rather than sending to pages that might not help. Um, he also commented then that this is an experiment and they might do other things uh, with these options. Um, and, you know, there's responses to Danny's tweet that are saying, you know, I like this. This is uh, uh, actually I really liked Alan Blayweiss's response. His first response was more info presented well equals better click decisions. I like it. Sometimes, you know, traffic is not just about all about clicks. You're more likely to get conversions if you have uh, people who really wanted to end up on your website. Uh, but for those websites that rely on ad impressions, uh, this may not be the, the best choice. And then it looks like immediately afterwards, uh, after Alan tweeted that, he also tweeted, alternatively, OMG, another antitrust lawsuit needed. Uh, and, you know, I'm not, I, I've had so many people ask me uh, to be involved in lawsuits against Google. Um, and, you know, 
that's not my area. I do not want to be involved in, uh, in suing Google. Uh, but part of me says this is not fair. Again, like if I, I feel like that's Google stealing my content. And then people could argue, well, I could just no index it so Google doesn't have it. Well, that's kind of like, you know, cutting off my nose to spite my face. It's, uh, I'm going to be losing traffic. So this is a tough situation. And I mean, we know now that this is just a test. Maybe uh, Google won't go forward with doing this from now on. Um, and maybe this is something where recipe bloggers need to actually make us think about this. Um, you know, Google does like to listen. Uh, and I'm sorry if anybody at Google is listening and I'm just encouraging the entire uh, community of recipe bloggers to reach out to you. Uh, but if this is impacting your traffic and you feel it's unfair, it might be worthwhile even tweeting, uh, you know, something just to, to, say, to, to voice your displeasure. Uh, because um, I think this is not a really good thing on Google's side. Um, let's see what else we've got here. Uh, somebody was asking John Mueller about, um, there was some interesting discussions on uh, pages that were blocked by robots. And uh, this question was really interesting. Um, Martin McDonald asked, if you have a page with a billion spam links, simply preventing Google from crawling it would prevent penalty from those links, right? Now, John has said, and this is interesting, he tweeted it, and he also said it in a help hangout, this idea that, um, uh, and in his tweet, he said, links that are in between, that are between indexed URLs is what Google counts. And he said, if one side is gone, the link is ignored. So, um, you know, if you can get a link removed, that's obviously getting a link removed. If you 410 or 404 the page on your website that the link points to, that's the same in Google's eyes as getting a link removed. However, what John said is that if a page is blocked by robots and somebody links to it, that page still can be in the index. Um, and so if somebody's linking to it, Google can have it indexed. And so that link can still count. Uh, so if you are trying to um, remove links by removing content on your site, just simply blocking that content in Robux, robots will not make a, a difference. But a no index tag probably would uh, accomplish the same thing as removing the link. Um, similarly, somebody asked John Mueller about, um, in Search Console, where you see indexed, though blocked by robots.txt, why, um, would Google show, uh, so this person was seeing that, uh, these pages had a last crawled date on them in Search Console. So if they're blocked by robots, why is Google crawling them? And what John Mueller said is that, um, that's not the date that they were crawled. It's the date that Google attempted to crawl the page. So just because you're seeing that uh, Google crawled it, it actually may be that they made an attempt to crawl it. And why would they do that? It's usually because somebody has linked to that content or you've included it in a sitemap or for whatever reason, Google is trying to access that content. And, um, you know, if, uh, if they attempted it and they realized through robots that that page was disallowed, then, um, you know, the date that's in Search Console would be the attempt, not an actual crawl of that page. Another interesting thing that we learned from John this week is um, about the Chrome user experience report for page speed. So back uh, over a year ago, I think now, um, there was a tweet by Gary Ish just talking about uh, this page speed update that was happening and um, that, you know, Google was actually going to take into account what actual users were getting in terms of page speed. And if your users were seeing really, really uh, long, long load 
times for pages, that that could negatively impact Google's assessment of quality for your site, or at least your your rankings uh, for those particular pages. Um, so the question that uh, a couple people have had is, what if a page has an AMP version and also a regular version, a non-AMP version? So the AMP version really should be a fast version of the page. And let's say that the other version is a slow version of the page. Then uh, what does Google do with that? If they're canonicalized to each other, um, you know, does the AMP page trump the speed of the AMP page? Does that trump the uh, the low uh, the low page speed or the long loading page? Um, and what John said is this actually depends on what users see. So if the majority of users see the AMP page, then they uh, that's the speed <laughs> that, um, you know, it's all kind of averaged together. Uh, let me see if I can find... Uh, Glenn Gabe again asked this question of John back in January of 2018, so almost two years ago. Um, uh, if a site has AMP URLs for each of its core pages, which loads lightning fast, will then will the algo still use the responsive page speed? So he's saying, will this algorithm that determines page speed look at the AMP speed or at the uh, speed of the actual page itself. And John said, in this example, since users from search would be seeing an AMP page, the speed of the AMP page would be taken into account. Uh, and then he actually said, if your AMP page is slow, that it could rank, rank lower. Um, so really, it's whatever page people are landing on. So if people tend to be landing on your non-AMP page for whatever reason, and it's slow, then it's that can uh, impact your uh, ability to rank that page as well. Um, let's talk about these references and citations. So... If this is really important for medical websites. So let's say you have a big long article about a medical topic and we know that the quality raters guidelines uh, tell us that Google really likes to see that your medical content is well referenced. Uh, and Gary Ish at PubCon in um, Vegas this year, when he was asked whether we should be referencing things uh, and whether Google looks at that, he didn't tell us specifically whether Google is looking for references, but his answer was something like, well, if you're writing about carrots curing cancer, you sure as hell better have references. Um, and so uh, we do believe that Google wants to see that your scientific content specifically is as well referenced as possible. So when we say this, and we have, um, uh, if you have not seen it, I have on YouTube a uh, complete webinar on our recommendations for author, um, improving the EAT of your authors and improving, um, uh, you know, the, I think we talk about references in there. To be honest, we still have not done part three of our EAT webinar, which we should have done months ago. And this is talking mostly about trust. So uh, if the information's not in that webinar, I will be covering it. Uh, hopefully that's coming up in the next couple of months. We're trying to get me uh, doing more of this stuff. So, um, you know, hopefully I can uh, teach you more uh, on our understanding on EAT and whatnot um, in these webinars. But back to this idea on references. So people always ask us, should I have my references in the document or should I have them at the end of the document uh, for anybody who wants to see a list of references? So traditionally, in traditional publishing, um, obviously, you know, there's no links in, in, in traditional publishing. Uh, we would see a list of references. So we'd see a footnote. You know, you make a claim in your article and you put a number. And then at the end of your article, you, you say, okay, number one was referenced from this uh, place and number two was referenced from here. 
Um, so John's answer when he was asked about this, and this is from a help hangout back in October. I'm a little bit behind on uh, on getting these tips, so I'm, I'm trying to do a little bit each week to get uh, caught up with these. Somebody asked, from an SEO point of view, is there any difference between posting all external links and citations in footnotes? Uh, like, for example, in scientific papers, instead of putting them in text, are there any guidelines suggested? Now, in newsletter, uh, we've included the, actually, I tweeted about it, um, all, the entire quote from John, and it's far too long for me to read the whole thing in podcast. But here's some interesting parts that I highlighted. Um, when we find links within content of the page, uh, within the extra context, oh, uh, I feel like we mistyped something here. When we find links within the content of page, within extra content, with extra context, it's a lot easier for us to understand what this link is about. Um, and later on, he says, if it's a completely separate block of links on its own, it doesn't, doesn't have clear anchor text. And that's something from our point of view that would make it a lot harder to understand what those links are about. Now, the question is, are we talking about what's best for your website or what's best for the websites you're linking to? And obviously, you know, we want to know uh, what's the best thing for our website. Um, now, for the websites you're linking to, it makes far more sense to have links in the content uh, as opposed to at the end of the content. Because Google um, looks at, and, and I, this may have even changed with BERT, who knows, but Google can look at the context of the words surrounding the anchor text in the link. And then what that means is that Google can um, have a better understanding that, oh, you're referencing this uh, uh, scientific article about the use of glucometers for diabetics. Um, and you've used those words, glucometers for diabetics, and that helps Google understand that what you're referencing um, is a, a scientific article about glucometers for diabetics. Um, and so what John, he goes on to say, I would strongly recommend that just putting those links normally within the context in the place where users would find them, as well as where users will be able to use them directly. Uh, and he finishes with, I would try to stick to the trusted model of having links with clear anchor text on a page and those links being placed normally within the page itself. So um, when I tweeted about this, a few people uh, appeared to be, you know, a little bit upset about this because, um, you know, traditionally in publishing, it's, it's just accepted to put your references at the end of an article. Um, I still think uh, you should do both. Uh, there's a question with this, though. Um, some people don't want to link out to references because of the idea of leaking page rank. And I'm not sure I'm on board with that. Um, the idea is that uh, if you have a bunch of outgoing links from your page, it, it can potentially detract from the page rank on your page. And uh, there are some people that very purposely will only outlink uh, link externally to like one or two um, articles in each of their articles because they don't want to leak page rank. To me, this seems like a dated uh, theory, and I don't, I don't think I've ever seen good evidence to support it. Um, and so, if you had two different links on the page, you know, you had it in the context of your article, and then also at the end, I don't think that's going to make a difference. Um, should those links be no followed or followed? I also don't think that makes a difference, although personally, I would follow the links. I might even consider doing a followed link in the article itself and a no-followed list of references at the end. Um, 
Personally, though, I don't think it makes a big difference, especially with the changes that Google has made to nofollow, um, where uh, it's up to them whether they want to uh, follow these links. And they might say, look, this looks like they're referencing a scientific article, and so we actually want to consider this in our algorithms. We don't know whether Google does that. Um, so what do we recommend? The best that I've seen uh, are websites that have um, a link in the article itself and actually a pop-up, um, if you click over that, if you hover over those links, um, some of them, I know Healthline is doing this now, that you can see um, the reference and also information about how trusted that reference is. So for example, if my reference is to a scientific article that's been quoted by hundreds of uh, scientists in this area, uh, I would call that a strong reference. If my link uh, to a reference is from another blogger who has a personal experience, that's not so strong. It might still be important to include, but it's not as strong a reference. Um, and so those types of things can help users uh, have more trust that when you're recommending something, that you're really putting effort into determining uh, whether this is a good recommendation or not. So those of you who uh, have the type of content that should be kept up to date with scientific references, we would recommend that you find ways to link uh, from within your content. I should mention too, if you use these sort of JavaScript pop-ups um, in, in addition to uh, the actual anchor text um, in your uh, uh, in your article, uh, you need to be sure that Google is seeing these pop-ups uh, and that this content is indexed. Uh, and the way you can do that is just take some text that is unique to one of those pop-ups and search for it in quotes on Google. And if Google's not finding it, then you know that um, something's gone wonky with your uh, use of JavaScript there, and you might need to make some, some changes. Um, Okay, we'll do a couple more things here. I thought this was interesting, uh, and it comes up from time to time. Somebody asked, uh, again, John, about... Um they used the URL removal tool in Search Console, and uh, it was about a year ago, and now the URLs that they removed are popping back into the search results. So this is actually normal. Um, when you make a submission to the URL removal tool, uh, it's only temporary. And I don't know if it's always a year. Uh, I thought at one point it was 90 days. Um, I could be wrong on that. But uh, they do expire. So if you're using the URL removal tool, it's really for an emergency basis. It's like, oh my goodness, we have all these uh, URLs indexed and we need to get them out of the index as quickly as possible. You use the tool to remove them and then you also make methods so that they don't get re-indexed, such as putting a, a no index tag on them. Um, so not everybody knows that. Uh, another thing for the joy of the recipe bloggers who are, are listening, um, Google had talked about this new meta tag that you could use, uh, saying max image preview tag. And, um, if you're using this and you've set your, the maximum size of your image, your preview image to none, there was a bug on Google's side that was actually making Google see that as a no index tag for the entire page. So if you've been playing around with using this max image preview tag, uh, and now you're finding that your pages are getting de-indexed, then uh, this, you probably want to remove <laughs> whatever you did. Um, apparently Google is on this and they're working on fixing it. 
Um, let's see. We'll do one quick, uh, I don't know if it'll be quick, one Q&A question. If you want to ask me a question, uh, the best questions tend to be ones about EAT, quality raters guidelines, and link quality. Um, and I'm happy to answer uh, those questions uh, in the podcast. And you can uh, find a, a link to our Q&A in each newsletter episode. Um, if you go to mariehaines.com slash newsletter, near the top of each episode, you'll see a place where you can ask me a question. I can't guarantee that I'll answer it for you, but I do try to get, um, you know, the really good questions answered. Somebody asked me this question about, um, okay, I've been charged by my company with reviewing our backlinks. Lucky you. That used to be my favorite part of my day is uh, auditing links on one screen and having Netflix on the other screen. <laughs> and, uh, auditing, and a lot of people don't like auditing links. I find it uh, kind of soothing. It's I don't have to think uh, too hard. And um, I don't know, I enjoy it. But most people don't. So you're probably one of these people. Um, reading through old documents, the company has engaged in some unnatural link building schemes in the early 2010s. Uh, the company made use of one of those JavaScript scripts that placed automatic attribution links whose URLs have a fragment beginning in uh, hashtag IXZZ on, oh, I'm Canadian here, ZZ, on copy and pasted content. My question concerns the latter practice. Does Google consider these automatic attribution links natural? There's a lot of things in this question, and um, I, I think I'd have to see the actual links to answer you with certainty. Um, it may be, I'm not sure if what you're talking about is the hash fragment, um, and I I remember a while back, there was somebody who I worked with who had this, I called it a link scheme, and he said, no, no, it's just a brilliant plan. <laughs> um, and what? And I don't know if this is what you're doing, but what he would do is um, have a page on his website that was like, I don't know, the perfect guide to whatever. Um, and this page had like a lot of calls to action, a lot of sales uh, on it. Um, you know, it was a very uh, important page for this website that would uh, make a lot of conversions for them. But what they found was that they could not um, get people to link to that page because people don't often like to link to commercial content. Um, and so what they would do is they would make, say, an infographic that was really cool and people would want to link to it. And they'd say, hey, you can link to this at mysite.com uh, slash whatever the page was. And then there was hashtag uh, infographic. Um, and what that would do is if you went to the page with just that uh, hashtag in the URL, all you would see is the infographic content. You wouldn't see the commercial content and everything else that was on the page. And what people found was that that would actually get more links because people were, um, you know, they were quite happy to link to the content that wasn't uh, yelling at their readers to, to buy things all the time. Um, and so the question is, uh, I don't know if that's what, what your question is, if those links count. I think there's another component, so I'm going to come back to that. Um, so I found some information, uh, some quotes from Help Hangouts in the past, and something that uh, was said by Google was, we don't generally crawl URLs with just the hash fragment. So if you have the hash sign and then some text afterwards, usually we drop that and only crawl the version without the fragment. 
Um, in another place, it says, uh, make sure that you have actual URLs on the page and not just hash fragments uh, that you're trying to index. Um, and Google has uh, information on Ajax crawling, which I feel like I might be conflating a couple of things here. So forgive me, uh, I'm not really an expert in Ajax. Um, stuff about uh, escaped fragments and, and things like that. And I know some of you are rolling your eyes right now because I'm probably not explaining this really well. Um, that uh, That's something that Google has deprecated and you really, as much as possible, want to avoid building links in that way. Your question, though, uh, is whether those links um, that were built to that uh, that content that's behind the hashtag, uh, whether that can cause problems. I really think that Google is not seeing those links, um, but I could be wrong about that, and I actually do not know. Um, there's really no harm in disavowing them uh, if it's done on a large scale. Um, I mean, if Google is ignoring them and you ask them to ignore them by disavowing, you're not doing any harm. Um, the other question, though, is um, about, you said they're automatic attribution links. I'm wondering if this is one of those situations where uh, I see something interesting on a website and I go to copy and paste it into my document. And when I copy and paste it, it automatically adds, you can find this content on example.com and adds that type of link. If that's what's happening, those are unnatural links. Um, and the reason being is that uh, Google has said that if you, it's perfectly fine to ask somebody to link to your content. But if you're putting a link in and it wasn't the webmaster's decision to include that link, then that's an unnatural link. Now, if you have a small handful of those, I mean, you could argue that, well, I mean, the webmaster could have just removed that, uh, that link and so they have the option to do that. I suppose you could make an argument that those are natural. Um, so what would really make my decision if I was doing this link audit is the scale on which it's done. Again, if there's a small handful, well, I wouldn't worry about it too much. If there are a lot of these links and it was done as a tactic uh, on a large scale, then uh, whether or not Google is actually counting them, I would just ignore them. Um, I think one thing, one thing that you could probably do if you're wondering whether Google is counting these is see if they appear in Search Console as links pointing to your site. Uh, and if they do, then they're, they're something that uh, Google's paying attention to. Uh, and if it's done on a large scale, and particularly as well if you had found a way to make those links keyword anchored, then 100% I would be disavowing them. I, sh I guess I shouldn't say 100%. I should see the situation. But it sounds like it was a link scheme uh, in most cases where if we think it's a link scheme, then we err on the side of caution and disavow. And in our experience, uh, it's very, very uncommon that we see a site that actually declines in traffic and rankings after we file a disavow. Um, so, you know, this type of thing I think would be perfectly safe to do. So we have tons of other stuff that's in newsletter. Um, things about uh, some of your tweets might actually appear as impressions in Search Console. So we've talked about that. There is loads of stuff going on in the local SEO uh, area. Um, we've included some stuff about this Bedlam update, uh, which was November 4th and 5th. So just before the big November 8th update, Joy Hawkins has some really good discussion going on in the local search forum. So we've covered that in newsletter. There's some cool tools as well. I really like the one that um, tells you whether there's unused JavaScript and CSS on a page. If you're trying to improve page load time, uh, getting rid of unused scripts and CSS can make a big, big difference. Uh, we did that. I did that with one of my sites. Um, just figured out, but I did it manually. I figured out which script uh, 
Uh, I was like, I don't think I'm using this script. Let me try to, I used a WordPress plugin. If those of you who are interested in this, uh, you can tweet at me and I'll find the um, uh, the actual name of the plugin. But um, I used a WordPress plugin that showed me uh, or allowed me to disable certain scripts on a page. And it actually really uh, dramatically improved my page load time. Um, so, and we've got loads of other stuff. This is, I think, one of our best episodes of, uh, of newsletter that we've had um, for input from my team. Uh, I was reading it and learning lots and lots of stuff myself. Um, this is why I love newsletters so much, because in order for me to do this podcast, I have to actually stay on top of uh, everything that, uh, that Google's doing. Um, so I think we're going to end it there. Um, I want to give you just a, a cool uh, quote from my seven-year-old. We, I bought a new pillow. Uh, this week, and the pillow was made with bamboo. And uh, my seven-year-old says, you need this, mommy. It's bamboo. And pandas love bamboo. And you love pandas. <laughs> so my girls, they, they don't know exactly what I do other than I play around on the internet all day and I talk a lot about pandas and penguins. And they think that's pretty cool. So I think I'm pretty blessed to have uh, this type of life where I can just babble on about Google and, uh, and hopefully help uh, a bunch of you improve your websites. So thanks again for listening. To those of you who are new at listening to this podcast, Thank you. If you have any feedback for me, uh, you can tweet at me, Marie underscore Haynes. And if you want to reach out to my team uh, to potentially hire us for a site review, um, our contact page uh, on our website is good or help at mariehaines.com is how you can reach us. And with that, I'm going to sign off and I wish you the best of luck with your rankings. Mm-hmm.